Pekas, and welcome to a live panel discussion with the Second City Ladies of Comedy. Uh, I am thrilled to do this uh, here at my old home where I left a whole bunch of stuff so I can pick that up. Uh, I used to be at Second City um, 150 years ago and uh, it's great to be back. Now for those of you who don't know, Firecracker Department is a podcast we started about a year ago and uh, we talk with dynamic, inspiring, intelligent, funny, amazing women in the TV and film business uh, about what their life is like and what's brought them to where they are now and the struggles and the victories and everything else. So I am thrilled to have some fantastic Second City past, present and alum of the stage that, um, not just the stage, but the fire hall as well. I'm going to introduce them one at a time. So uh, my first guest is somebody that I've admired for a long time and I have yet to have the chance to work with her as in-depthly as I would like to. Um, she, is, uh, she holds a, a Bachelor of Music in Jazz as well as a Diploma in Classical Music. She's worked as a Musical Director for Second City Theatrics in uh, Chicago and Toronto. Please put your hands together for Ayaka Kinagawa. <laughs> Next up we have a woman who I'm just, I mean, I, I, this is the best job in the world. I just get to hang out with super funny, super, super delightful people and uh, this is somebody that I've always just loved seeing at any party or on stage. Anytime I get to a chance to play with her is fantastic. She is the director of the current main stage show right now. The best is yet to come undone. Uh, she's the head writer and showrunner of Second City Gen season two, which is coming out this summer uh, on Omni, which is fantastic. She's just a funny gal and an amazing singer. Please put your hands together for Carly Heffernan. Uh, we also have another gal that, of all these folks, I'm such a huge fan of. She's a writer, producer, and star of uh, her own series on Global that was, that was called The Jane Show. Uh, she's a member of the all-female comedy troupe Women, Women Fully Clothed. We're working together right now because she's a great script editor. It's Teresa Pavlinak, everybody. <laughs> and last but not least, we've got a woman who's actually on the main stage right now. So if, we, if she has to leave because she has to go do the show, we'll understand. Uh, she also hosts and produces a podcast called Regular Girls. She's one of the funniest people I know and does great characters. Please put your hands together for Stacey McGonigal. <laughs> well, here we are. Nice to see you all. Nice to see you. We're going to share a mic over here. So if you suddenly have something it's so important, just, just grab it from Carly. Say it. Thank you. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so I want to talk today about comedy because, of course, you guys are just honestly some of the funniest people I know. Um, and originally when we started this podcast, uh, I got irritated with the amount of journalists that would ask me what it's like being a woman in comedy. Mm -hmm. Uh, does that still get asked by anybody? Does anybody still have that question come up in, in all of press? the times? What do you Just say? What do times. you say to that, Stacey? Um, I say uh, it. It's it, it's just such an odd question. I don't even really know how to respond. I kind of just laugh at it. and I'm like, Ugh, I guess it's prettier. No, um, <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of silly. Like, what's it like being a woman in comedy? It's it just like, feels so outdated. It's incredibly outdated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I usually say, what's it like being a man in journalism? And then it gets uncomfortable, and then we move on to... <laughs> They're like, it's what so was your easy. family like? Yeah, yeah. What do you yeah. think, Carly? 
Yeah, I think being a woman in comedy is like just being a woman in the world. Um, right. it, it presents itself with its own um, obstacles, and it also presents itself with its own absolute wonderful moments. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it creates a lot to mine in comedy. Um, that said, I always like being thought of as a human being in comedy. Yeah. I personally... It wasn't um, like being a human being in comedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's the most fun. It's so depressing. I mean, if you look at the news, it's not. Um, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's where a good satire comes from. Um, yeah, it is being a woman is being a woman, and and we could categorize ourselves in in so many ways. You can say, what is it like being white and in comedy? What is it like being over thirty and in comedy? And uh, and it shapes your POV um, as you work in comedy and, and as you work in any art form, uh, and it presents its own challenges mm-hmm. and its own triumphs. Yeah. Anything to add, gals? It's just become so normal now to be asked that. I've been asked that question for about 25 years, I guess, my whole career. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) but now more so because it is kind of a buzzword. So I kind of answer it with honesty. Like, it's not always easy, right? But I think comedy is hard for anybody, really. Um, But, you know, I think about the story of of Phyllis Diller. I saw her once (laughs) at a comedy festival in Los Angeles, and she was talking about opening for strippers. And I thought, well, that's hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe myself compared to that, ha- I haven't had it so yeah, hard. Yeah, maybe possibly. we shouldn't complain. But, you know, there, but even, you know, male stand-ups, male comedians have it hard. But I think it is a buzz word yeah. now. And um, so I just feel like we've all had, as you said, Carly, we've all had hard moments and then great moments where you connect with an audience and that's the best. Yeah. So. Ike, you're one of the few female music directors that I know. What's it like in your world? Is that the same sort of uh, feeling that you get? Yeah, I think so. I used to be uh, that Asian chick musician. Right. right. Now, uh, not many people point out that I'm Asian, even though it's visible. Um, <laughs> but now people say, oh, that chick musician still right. happens. Oh, uh, nice. You, you, uh, yeah. you brought up a point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But sometimes I try to take that um, as an advantage, like, oh, that chick, but she's as good as male musicians, then, you know, yeah. then just flip it a little bit. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting. So um, I want to look back to your, your childhoods. Like, what was the moment, like, I can pinpoint the moment that I was like, oh, I'm, I got some funny in me. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was the moment that I, I think, honest to God, I had a paper a bag over my head. And it wasn't paper, it was plastic. And, uh, That's dangerous. It was so dangerous, Very but I funny. thought I was really funny. Which yeah. is the line I, I balance on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what about you guys? When did you know that you had like a comedy gene? I think for my house, like we were a really loud family, and so you had to be the loudest and the wittiest to sort of be seen. Um, and also I was um, kind of... Um, I loved school, but I didn't like the work. So I was like, well, if I'm charming enough then I can kind of get away with whatever. Um, and so I realized then, I was like, oh, I'm like funny and charming. Like my grade eight speech, I did a lip sync to share. And my As teacher was like, where's the, the essay? And I was like, I think the performance speaks for itself. <laughs> you know, like I was just oh like. Oh my God, what song? Believe, Black Wig, of brought course. my own stereo in. And she late was just share. <laughs> late share. Love it. Late share, yeah. <laughs> Because my mom said I couldn't come in and sing Gypsies <laughs> during the saves. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought I was like, oh, wow, this can kind of get me um, far. Um, and uh, I just have to kind of have my wits about me. So maybe laziness. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Teresa? 
Uh, I was really, really shy to the point where I would cry when everyone sang happy birthday on oh, my no. birthday. I would weep, oh, I which dear. is odd. Um, a joyous moment, I would cry. But I was so shy, I didn't like the attention. But I do remember, um, I was tall. My best friend in high school was the star basketball player. They all said, you know, try out for the team. And I was awful. And I basically went from that humiliating experience right to the drama room. Right. Um, and they were auditioning for Anna Green Gables. And I thought, I'll play Anne. No, that was not going to happen. Because I was 15 and looked 40. I was born 35. Because I was tall, right? Yeah. So yeah. I got to play Mrs. Lind, the mean oh, neighbor. So yes. much baby powder and in your hair. And they changed the line to say, uh, you know, she says to me something about, because you're, you're so tall. And uh, my facial reaction got the biggest laugh in the show. And it was like, <laughs> and that I knew it was the power right everyone talks yeah. about that that moment you feel that power and the shyness I don't know went away went somewhere else I still have it but it you're, you compensate with this crazy adrenaline totally. rush yeah what about you Carly yeah I I had um I had been sort of like earmarked as a singer when I was a kid and so I ended up doing a lot of musical theater but as Teresa was saying it was finding those comedic moments in shows and then just basking in that light yeah. I'm like oh this is so much better yeah they applaud after you sing and that's fine that's fine I'll take that <laughs> um but wow wow when they laugh at a moment, a reaction, a line delivered well with good timing, that just felt more powerful. And it just felt more natural to me. Um, it still took a long time after that to even accept that it could be something that one would do for a living. Yeah. That it's took, more that took many trick. more years. Yeah, yeah, it was like, oh, I'll be fun at parties and I'll be okay trying to pick up at the clubs. But, <laughs> but maybe someone will give me money for it. Yeah. That, that came later on. And not at the clubs. Well, people still okay. get money. Oh, that's another anyway, podcast. Anyway, uh, Ayaka, now you started in jazz, so when did you know you wanted to do more um, comedy-based music? Mm, I studied jazz, and I did lots of classical music before that. And after jazz, I did lots of rock and roll and funk and hip-hop and reggae and lots of things. But I also um, um, did lots of musicals, accompaniment, and then that was all in British Columbia. I went to school in BC. Mm -hmm. And I moved here, and then I... I uh, did audition to be apprentice of a musical director here, and that's how I got into Second City. Right. And that apprenticeship made me take classes, improv classes, yeah. which I hated so much for the first <laughs> uh, while. Yes, yes, this goes here. My level B teacher, Carly Hefman. Um, I think, uh, seriously, that class, I think, changed my perspective of comedy I think because yeah I think so um yeah growing up in Japan everything's uptight and like you know people laughing at me is such a negative thing right. like I'm so embarrassed but like taking the uh, improv classes and like oh laughter is a compliment and it I sure think is. you laughed a lot at me in class <laughs> so <laughs> I'll share with you I've never forgotten it's it's you hear so many jokes and you hear so many lines from sketch and from improv and from stand-up when you're in comedy I'll never forget a line that I <laughs> improvised in that level B class which was her fellow classmate and I've told you this before where they were like welcome to heaven and you went wow so many jeans <laughs> <laughs> it's the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life I don't remember this, but that's, thank you. Thank that's you. the magic of comedy. You don't remember your genius. So in, in the comedy world, um, you're talking about like the power of comedy because one of the questions every month we ask uh, our firecracker department members, 
um, a question. And one, one month it was, what makes you powerful? And it did come to my mind that comedy makes me powerful. Because no matter what is in this, like whatever levels of status people have, if you can make somebody laugh, then you've got high status. Um, what, how do you feel like you use comedy these days, especially in the climate that we're in right now? I think um, uh, having just wrote a show. Because yeah. um, Second City is known to be like political, social satire as it's important. Yeah, um, and I don't like doing material. that. Um, <laughs> I'm like, satire, oh, it's so heavy. But Carly uh, made us, and I'm glad that she did because it elevates your work. Because I think like... I love bringing like myself, the, the worst of myself to the stage, uh, pretty autobiographical. So it was kind of great to bring what's going on in the world now, which is pretty scary stuff and uncomfortable stuff. Um, but with like a really earnest perspective t in hopes that, you know, every night we do a scene about consent um, right off the top of the show um, with me and my, you know, um, uh, cast me trying to like have some fun times in the boudoir <laughs> but both being so scared but I think what's really great about that is I I find power in being like yeah isn't this kind of scary like can we all just like admit that we don't know everything and we're gonna mess up and this is really uncomfortable for everyone and and kind of um you know uh have someone at least in the audience go oh yeah I think that I'm not crazy you know um yeah I don't know if that makes sense, but um, that's where I kind of find power. No, in there's it. nothing better than having somebody audibly going, this is you, yes. this is you on stage. And we get that. And it's yeah. like, and to also like the scene is in particular, is just like me not being like, you're a man, so you're terrible. And he's not going, oh, women are, you know, it's like mm. people earnestly trying to understand or um, put themselves out there. And I think that's the, like when we see people go, oh, yeah, that was right. us. You're like, yeah, yeah, we did it, you know. Um, yeah. Which is hard. <laughs> what about you, Carly? So in your directing of this piece, did you, because this, this is such a tumultuous time. Sure. I mean, we would have got to find jokes. You have to. And, and the jokes live in the truth of it and things that are relatable and, and putting that truth and, and the truth behind the emotions in that. We would have been the first um, Toronto Second City Made Stage show to go up in the um, wake of the Me Too movement. And so you do feel... Um, it's, it's not even a pressure, but it's kind of a privilege to talk about it on stage and to find some comedic angle to it. And I always find that the best way to find that comedic angle is, what is the truth of it? What is the truth yeah. that we're all living in? How have you felt? And how have you felt? And, and cast members putting that truth up on stage mm -hmm. and maybe playing that, dialing that up to about 10 or 11 uh, on the reality scale, you can find the laughter in it. And you can find the catharsis in it. I also think like you created a show and I'm not just blowing smoke up my ass because you. she's my boss. <laughs> but um, no, I think also the show is like really great in that it's, we're not, um, uh, we're touching on tougher subject matter without blaming the audience or being like, you yeah. don't know this mm -hmm. or you feel yeah. that way. Or like if people don't see yeah. themselves reflected on stage in some capacity, conservative, liberal, you know, um, close-minded, small-minded, uh, large-minded, like if they don't see themselves reflected there, then, then we're not going to affect them at all. Yeah, and this cast does a great job of taking those difficult subjects and... Uh, in comedy, you hear this rule, eh, play it, don't say it. And they play and they live in the active moments and the active emotions that are evolved in these tougher subjects. And so it doesn't feel like they're preaching to the audience or shaming the audience, but they're just recognizing the, the, the world that we're all living in right now and finding the humor within it. Mm -hmm. Teresa, what were you dealing with when you were on main stage? What was the hot topics? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Mike Harris, right? weirdly. And here we are Classic. again. Yeah. Um, Classic. History repeats itself. Yes. Yeah. And I, too, you know, I was a character comedian, and, and I did, hadn't found my voice when I first came. When I first started in the touring company, I remember my director, Tim Sims, saying, you need to start reading a paper or get a job. You need an opinion on mm -hmm. something. And then I started to realize, oh, yeah, I, I have power. I am up here on stage. My job is to point a light at the world and show people how messed up it is, but also how funny it is, right? Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized the power of it. And then I started watching other comedians who used that, you know, Bill Hicks and um, Lenny Bruce, all these comedians who used the, the time to say something. So um, we were in a different time, but you know, you always think your time is the most messed up time. I definitely feel like obviously it's a very complicated time right now and with social media, weirdly, we didn't have social media, which I kind of can't believe. I don't what? know what we did. We <laughs> talked. We talked. Made eye contact. Yeah. I don't know. It was people, weird. People postered a lot. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of postering going on. <laughs> Who's going to put the posters up for the show? Yeah, oh, totally. Get sneakers to but do it. it. But the Ugh. good thing was that it took time for stuff to get out. People didn't know about your show or what you're right. dealing with until the review, right? It wasn't right. like you'd tweet about it or whatever. So it was a slower uh, move that way. But... But Second City did show me, it, it was my master's in satirical comedy, and it, it made me realize I wanted to say something with my voice. You know, yeah. I wanted to also make people laugh and have that same moment that I originally felt, but the, oh, the little discomfort that goes with it was also very powerful. Yeah. Ayaka? Um, yes, to all of that. Mm. Um, I heard someone say comedy is a therapy. And I really believe in that too. Um, I went to see, it's not sketch comedy, I'm sorry. I went to see a stand-up comedy. That's still allowed. Okay, Oh gosh, people are leaving. Gosh, Ayaka. This boy was talking about his uh, father, who, uh, they are from uh, Middle East, and then he was talking about his father was like addicted to cocaine, and that phase is gone, but now he's addicted to opium, or something like that, like crazy stuff. But like everyone's laughing at it, and I was like, that must be a hard, hard childhood right. but like he said like he digest his like hardship and stuff with stand-up comedy and i was like oh i can i i, I well that's great i can mm -hmm. do that with maybe improv or like sketch comedy that i thought that was beautiful that's interesting because i just watched um the other night hannah gadsby she's an australian stand-up her special on netflix yeah. nanette and it takes a turn that is so um real and true and she talks about um that exact thing where comedians use the darkness from their lives and they kind of uh use the tension and then allow the audience the release of the joke that comes with it and she talks about for years never actually though following through with the story which i thought fa was fascinating i never yeah. really thought about comedy that way too especially if it's personal the idea that you you have the trauma but you you lighten it for the audience because you know you don't want them to leave um, wanting to slit their wrists, but at the same time, what do you do with all of that? And I, it really made me think about what we as comedians do with all that stuff that maybe some of us have dealt with and maybe some haven't, yeah. right? And it's sometimes you're dealing with it on stage. On stage, yeah. right? Yeah. How it's many comedians have had meltdowns and stuff? Because you wonder, it's a lot of work to conjure all of that, and then how do you process it? Yeah. Anyway. And how do you guys, I mean, you guys all do really great character work, and so how do you process something that is not necessarily public into something that has to be public. You write a one-woman show right. after yeah. you leave Second City. That's what you did, right? 
Well, yeah, you do the fringe. Because because you realize, for me, anyway, and everyone's different, I realized I wanted to say more, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't want seven minutes. I wanted an hour, <laughs> blah, blah, of my own <laughs> time. But, yeah. you know, it's also to process it, maybe, right? Because I had so many ideas, and, and, you know, you leave Second City, and you're not done. You're not finished no. by any means, right? No. That's why... Um, you know, you go on and you, you do other stuff. I felt like writing a, a more dramatic with comedy show helped me kind of yeah. figure that all out. Mm -hmm. Stacy, what do you do? A lot of podcasts. You're like a yeah. Jacqueline of all trades. You've got so <laughs> many different projects. Do you, do you process like your, um, I don't know, your point of view through those kind of for sure, I think it's, yeah, I think it's been kind of, I mean, uh, like social media or the, the platform of the internet uh, has kind of been really great for me to process things on different levels. I know for sort of like, you know, certain characters in my life that, you know, are troubling or hard, um, I find so much joy in creating characters based on them um, to find empathy and understanding uh -huh. of who they are. But in, you know, uh, when it, it needs to be more than seven minutes or maybe it's a little like darker or harder, like I love writing. I found like a tiny letter, which is great, a little newsletter, which I like to write occasionally, not consistently. Um, <laughs> but, um, and also, it, yeah, not really. Uh, watch so much Queer Eye today. Um, but... <laughs> It's research. Stacey. Research. It's research. It is. I, I told my agent, I was like, I'm, I feel like I'm queer-eyeing myself. I'm getting out of the darkness. You're uh, not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, podcasting has been great where it's like been this passion of conversation. Right. Which has been fantastic. And not having to make life palatable, but yeah. to connect. So when I was the last it. time you brought something on stage? Because I remember this moment of like, oh, I, I need to say something about this that's going on in the world or in my life. When's the last time you brought something on stage and it was either like a huge success or a huge failure? Because either one you're going to learn from, right? Um, I just did a show. I'm about to do a show, the same show in Fringe um, uh, with Jason DeRoss. And um, yeah, we were struggling with a lot of like body issue stuff, which is our jam. Um, <laughs> we started the show in our underwear because the last show we did, we had a scene where we were trying to have sex, um, but we, our body issues stopped us. And, um, but uh, we shot that and we were called Brave because our bodies... Right are right. not uh, palatable to Hollywood. <laughs> and um, so that was a big moment. Who, who we, called you brave? This woman in front of 400 people at a film festival. She goes, well, aren't you too brave? And oh then my gosh. Jason's like, I gotta get a pizza. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, like that kind of spurred this like, this start to not sort of hate myself, which I feel is not women, but people kind of, we all compare. Um, and then there's a scene at Second City, which sort of has rolled that to um, me and this, me and Alana, she plays a young girl at Weight Watchers. And um, just we have an earnest conversation and at the end it's like, yeah, sometimes you just kind of hate yourself. <laughs> sometimes you love yourself, you know, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I hope that doesn't seem vague, but it was a big moment on stage of like saying to an audience, like you think we're brave? Like this is what, this is so unlovable. Right. Like, and, and revealing that to the audience, that that's what's so scary. Yeah, I remember Lena Dunham said something about people going, oh, you're so brave. And she's like, I like being naked. Like, it's actually yes. not brave at all. I'm fine. You're brave for watching it, maybe. Yeah. But, yeah. It's all a bit different. Like, it's brave for me to, I don't know, sing a song and tap dance because I'm really rusty. Right. So, like, that would be... I feel like what they're saying is you shouldn't do that. <laughs> it does feel like when that. When they say you're brave, it's yes. like, why? Put your clothes on, brave one. Yeah. yeah. It's just weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and I think, like... I think women are, we're just naturally like sexualized all the time, uh, regardless of what we do. So even at Second City, it's like, 
you know, we were talking about how quick can you get ready tonight? It's like, you got to put your lipstick on, your hair right. And it's like, right. you know, kind of being in my large underwear on stage, being kind <laughs> of like, I these are things I wear, but like just kind of being, um, and I hate to say the word ugly, but you know, just like innately yourself. It's real. Yeah, real. Was yeah. like really regaining power for me. Yeah. It's interesting. You're talking about the power thing. And, yeah. and I remember at Second City, I don't know if it's like that still, but, you know, after the show, uh, women would put like send their phone numbers backstage to the men in the that cast. That doesn't happen anymore. Quite often, no. <laughs> it didn't. Happen no, they get they get uh, they get the DM requests. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> they would get attention, right? And the women, it would be crickets. Oh, there it would is. be no nothing. Oh. And I remember at one point my cast was all single women yeah. and men in relationships, and we were just going, "What the?" And the men, you'd go out into the audience after, and they would like not even make eye contact. They were yeah. so afraid of you it's making comedy. fun of them or and that power dynamic yeah. and i thought it took a long time for me to meet men that um were impressed with that as opposed to terrified and i get it a little bit i mean you're on stage and you have you have power you have control yeah. you know and and in whatever way you use that but i just thought it was so funny because all my friends were like wow you're on stage you must be just getting laid all the time oh, yeah. it's like, like not at all <laughs> are you kidding yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. if I was a comedy man now, oh wow, oh yeah, I'd be, I'd be batting them away. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. But women, yeah, they're like oh, too smart, too fast. <laughs> I'm like her. Um, was there ever a time, Carly? Did you want to add anything about comedy, like uh, opinions that you've had on stage that were really victorious or really struggling? Oh, geez, I've had them all. Um, I've been really lucky in in my time as a performer at Second City. I think I was lucky enough to have directors who. Um, You'd have both, you'd have a success and a fail all in the same POV. Mm -hmm. You know, we wanted to go out, I remember doing something for the first time, like a, a scene called Dead Facebook, which has been social media, it was a bit newer. Um, and you're like, oh wow, this is such a great portal into people's lives, but how do we deal with this in death? Um, which was pretty dark. Um, and I remember putting it, when we put it out for the first time, I mean, it was, it was crickets. It, it was awful. But having a director uh, at that time, Chris Earl, who uh, was game enough to say, no, there's something really special here yeah. and eventually turn it into a great success. Yeah, because sometimes the path of finding something that's dark to something that we can laugh at is a hard, like... Totally. There's scenes, I'm sure, Teresa, you remember this, where they've gone through different processes and finally the third show that you're in goes, oh, that's how that opinion can be expressed. Mm -hmm. I feel like I left before I got to that show. Right. <laughs> oh my God, come back. The door's no, always open, No, but you know Teresa. what I mean? And yeah. I feel like it's that's open. why... It's <laughs> open. Hello, <Yes>. everyone. The <laughs> oldest Second City cast member. Um, no, but that's why we did Women Fully Clothed with uh, my fellow Second City alumni and my troupe because we weren't finished saying all the stuff and then right. suddenly yeah. mm -hmm. you have a voice still but you didn't get that chance or you, like you said you didn't have the director who was that kind of director who would let you and it's so fun when you can just kind of do it yeah. yourself you don't have the built in audience but um, it's so fun to find those moments but no I've all tried out those scenes where you're just like I remember trying yeah. <laughs> even doing a scene with Wimfully Clothes where I, I before I had a kid and I was a woman who had a fake baby and she would show up at the mums groups <laughs> but it was a fake baby because she just wanted <laughs> like the friends <laughs> No one. No we're one. Just like, oh, we love it. Because no. at one point, I think I was throwing around a fake baby. It went weird, but yeah. I, I originally, the original <laughs> no, idea that's was perfect. <laughs> we, we tried to see ones that um, called Terry Fox an asshole, Mother Teresa a cat kicker, and Gandhi a, a nail biter. And it didn't, surprisingly, didn't work. I'm it was shocked. That's weird. There's shocked. I'm shocked. Based on a true story, too, that I can tell Ooh. you later. Yeah. Oh 
So, and you're like, this is a true story. I'm going to put truth on stage. And the audience is like, we will not like you for calling Terry Fox an asshole. In fact, we want to burn you out of stake. There's nothing funnier than to me. Like, there's nothing so humbling when you're like, this is so killer. And like, I can't wait for all the thank yous I'm about to get. And then you walk out and everyone's like, Ew, no. <laughs> you're just like yeah. you're just trying you're pushing and trying so hard and nothing yeah. they say no thank you yeah Ayaka was there a time that you because you're the musical director's role a lot of people don't know this but like it's so important like they can either make or break some scenes mm-hmm. has there been a time when you added just the right je ne sais quoi what's a je ne sais quoi <laughs> yeah, that's fair that's a fair question. Uh, like the right, like um, extra ingredient. Uh, ingredient. Uh, every time there's a um, suggestion, says like, okay, uh, this scene takes place in McDonald's. I play Dole Mi Lasso, and then like, uh, like people laugh. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, <laughs> um, uh-huh. Then, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the scene or the, the, that you created that you're most proud of? Most proud of? Ooh, me created. Uh, <laughs> or that you added to through your music? Um, I can't think of like particular scene, but I like to feel the tilt of um, seeing that like okay now it's a uh, there's a little lesson here and then I make it dramatic <laughs> but it's still funny um, yeah. yeah I can't think of anything particular you just give me a nudge if you remember <laughs> this is the thought I also had is that moment when you said like I love being on stage and like w- the, the great thing about Second City is if you have a bad moment you go oh well tomorrow's another night right but has there ever been a moment in your career so far where that you were like I'm, I'm done I'm out. In performing? Yeah. Mm. Like it's oh, too hard or sure. like, yeah. And then what made you keep going? Well, I was like, I moved to LA for a couple of years and, and um, I really just didn't have a good time. Um, but I think... <laughs> but you did book like the lead <laughs> in a pilot, so it can't be all bad. No, it, it, but that goes away and so does uh, money and memories of it. But um, <laughs> no, I think what happened was like I was performing and then... I left Second City and then um, stopped uh, creating right. confidently. So I was like, well, what, what does my manager want? What does my agent want? Um, what's going to get me on this UCB team? Oh, oh, please like me, everyone. Where it's like at Second City, yeah, you, you eat shit every night. I don't know if you can swear. But you eat that almost Enjoy. nightly. Every scene, it's different. And you're like, what? You're, just, it's, you're not precious. And I became so profoundly precious. Yeah that I kind of lost it. And I was like, well, this is it. Like, I'm just gonna go work um, at an H&M and just tell girls to feel themselves, you know? Like, get it, girl. And then I, when I... <laughs> When I moved back to Toronto, you're good at that. Though, <laughs> Thank I think. you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I don't know what you're selling there, but I want to buy it. Get it, yeah. girl. Get it. Uh, <laughs> but I moved back to Toronto, and and Carly was like, "Do you have another show in you?" And I was like, and then I had this moment where I was like, "I I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know who I am. I don't know, you know." Yeah. And then it was like getting back on stage. I was like, "Oh, okay. Like this is it." And it was like just this profound like oh, I, I got this, you got this, you can do this. And it's just been like the best. Yeah. Yeah. What about you guys? 
Anytime that you were on Yeah, the brink. similar. After uh, my show was canceled, um, my TV show, I was devastated. Show. Yeah, How I, many seasons? Two seasons of it. And, and you like created it. This yeah, like created it, wrote it. in your career. Yeah, too. it was my first TV yeah. writing gig. I was very lucky. I remember seeing you at a voiceover and I was like, how's it going? You're like, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing auditioning for voiceover? She's like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm Go doing. It's Canada. They yeah. told me to. That's right. That's um, right. I have to make money. Yeah, that's it. But it was a lot. But it was like the highest of my career in terms of creativity. Like you're talking about, I was just at the peak of uh, like loving it, really stressful, but I'd never been so creatively fulfilled. And then it ended and I went through that same thing of like agents telling me, this is what Global wants, this is what CBC wants, this is what CTV wants, and me trying to write a TV show for all these other people. And it was a few years of just going, why, but why, why don't they like it? And it's like, well, because it's not me, right? And, and also not satisfying for you to create. You're not just, at all. Yeah. You're just, you're making stuff up that, that doesn't even exist because they don't even know what they want, right? Oh, so, um, and, and so I, I don't know, I don't know if I thought I was going to quit, but I definitely thought I'm not going to do TV anymore. It's not for me. I, you know, I, I really thought I had lost my way. I thought it was a fluke. Um, you know, the imposter syndrome and all of that. And then when I just wrote a pilot uh, because I wanted to say something, it all came back again. It truly, it right. restarted, exactly. And it's, everyone can tell you that over and over, but you really have to find what you want to say um, to really be in it, and the success comes. Every successful person says that in every video I've watched on YouTube, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. They're Carly. great. Uh, I did, yeah. I second Stacy and Teresa. Um, I don't think I've ever had a moment where I thought I would quit. No, never. Never. No, to be honest. Um, but I'm That's very um, stubborn and conceited as well, <laughs> <laughs> which is a great. That's awesome. It's a great mix. But but to be honest, I've also never. Um, I've never stopped like live performing, and some of that it seems so basic, but it's that immediate feedback from the audience as well as whoever you're performing with and if I'm talking about improv in particular and that just feels good and you can have a hard day you can have a hard week you can have a hard month and then you go out and you get that instant feedback and you you feel recharged and you feel like you can tackle another obstacle yet mm -hmm. again yeah Ayaka I almost quit music twice what? yes uh, right after I finished my university, I was like, oh, it's too much. I worked a lot in university. I was a hard-working student. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I like agree about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then when I graduated, I'm like, oh, too much music. And I worked at a sushi restaurant and making sushi. And then uh, but people started hiring me as a musician. And like, oh, I guess it's not bad. I can get back to it. Worked a lot for a few years. And I'm like, oh, too much music. And I quit again and then I rolled lots of California roll <laughs> rolls <laughs> again. Um, yeah, <laughs> but then uh, after <laughs> I came here uh, to, um, to Toronto and then um, started working here as an MD musical director, I haven't um, felt like I have to quit or I want to quit, yeah. any like, negative feelings since then. I feel like I found comedy that... Um, I still have music here as a core, and then comedy made it like a healthy thing. Like, oh, yeah, yeah I can laugh at it. Like, music sometimes could be very, how do you say, one man thing. Like, audience is still Je there, but quoi. like, je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. Sometimes, Perfect yeah, je ne sais quoi. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, comedy made it like a healthy 
thing for me. Like yeah. music is now healthy thing. Like yeah. I, I don't have to be always like serious about it or like I have to work so hard all the time. Like now I can laugh at it. Yeah. Yeah. So. So Carly, you're talking about like getting back on stage to recharge because I think I totally agree with that. Like you can be like nothing's working and then you get on stage and be like okay, it's that muscle, it's a familiarity. What else do you guys do to recharge when your creative tank is empty? I just got back from the Hamptons. Oh, dear. Um, oh, dear. Oh, the tan <laughs> No, it was my rich cousin's wedding, and he's done well, and it was a wonderful time. Good but you him. do, you have to find that balance, you, and especially as I continue on this life journey, and, and as I continue on the life journey, I simultaneously get older. Um, and it's, it's, I know, it's weird, right? I can't stop it. But it is about, for me now, it's a lot about finding balance. I think... I think in almost any industry, when you start out in it, you go 110%. And that's great. And that gets you into a lot of, it gets a lot of feet and a lot of doors. And then you can push those doors open and, and continue further down those paths. But you do need to find some time for self. And if you have family, if you have loved ones, partners, making time, like quality time with them. Yeah. Um, that helps me. I walk that dog. I love my dog. My dog's name is Hudson. He's gorgeous. Um, <laughs> Guys, I walk fan, that fan dog. And my husband, Gary, is okay as well. <laughs> what about you Teresa? Um, I feel like going I've stopped doing this for a while I don't know why you get so consumed and tunnel vision about your own work going to see uh, other yeah. art right yeah. uh, other um, other areas of the arts um, whether it's film or just going to the art gallery in, in the city there are so many incredible things and sometimes you get so single minded single focused how many improv shows can you yeah. see in a week right and I, then suddenly it's like oh there what people dance that's amazing. Um, and so that inspires me because I feel like, and reading books, I know it sounds so whatever, but no, I don't it's know. It's so true. I start to read a book and I realize, oh, I, you know, there's so much to say about the world and we're not in a little bubble. Comedy can be very self-absorbed. Uh -huh. It has to be. To have a thick skin to do it, you have to think that it's the only thing in the world, like every uh, part of the arts, I assume. But um, to kind of embrace all of it, I find inspiring. How about you, Stacy? Um, I, uh, I'm trying this new thing where I'm, um, figuring out hobbies, um, <laughs> but sort of defining myself outside of yeah. what I do. That's so is crucial, impossible. right? impossible. Yeah. Yeah. What have it's, you found? I, what have you found? I had a friend once who lived in, um, Vancouver say that, anyways, when we met up in Vancouver, she was like, you guys from Toronto all define yourself by your occupation, but we all define ourselves by our hobbies. So you come in and you're like, I'm a writer comedian, but yeah. I'm like, I'm a kayaker. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, cool. But they're all oh, yeah, that's like, more Fun. I'm a driftwood maker. Like, yeah, come on. Like, what? What and did you, you say? That's why I don't live in Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately got on a plane and came back to Toronto. Yeah, he left instantly. You can't. So um, you're finding your hobbies to find some balance. Yeah, like um, you know, it sounds lame, but it's like working out. We were just talking about my body pump class and yours. No, but um, uh, like meeting different people. Um, Going for walks, listening to podcasts. I'm not the best reader. I've heard great things. I'm going to get into it for sure. But um, yeah, they're very heavy. Yes, heavy. I've got a Kobo. It's but so like, light. Yeah, it's like figuring out that, like, yeah, outside of the comedy and wigs and mustaches, like, there's a world, and we should. I I should um, discover a viewpoint on that. Um, yeah, which is it's really difficult. I mean, do you guys have a plan? Like, you yeah. know, when we were, when we were younger, it was like, I just want to work. I just want to get jobs and pay yeah. my rent and I just want to work. And then there's times like, no, now I need to do creative, important work. Yeah. And then what's like, the, what's your plan? Guys, I'm asking for a friend. Five-year tenure? Yeah. What is it? Finally, my early plan was to be famous. Yes. Oh, 
that's I, I was the opposite i was like not just get where i was like no i'm gonna be famous me too so that's a thing and then after that, that i don't know what will you? happen like being famous that's like the funny part i didn't it? have a, a look or a definition of that yeah. Yeah. right a lot of people did it mean like movie star success. like julia roberts i think i did mean that i think or not that's julia roberts. Big. no i don't think i meant julia roberts i mean i knew okay. what i looked like i realized that <laughs> i Mrs. Lynn. Mrs. Lynn. Lynn. Oh, okay. It was a bit of a miss. <laughs> I wasn't Lynn Annie. I wasn't famous. Mystic Pizza. But I, I think that <laughs> I, I that yeah, famous, whatever that meant. Carol yeah. Burnett, famous, yeah. you know, Mary yeah. Tyler Moore, that, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And then I actually switched into the wanting to work and realizing when people reacted to me saying, you're a working actor, especially now <laughs> with uh, being a parent and you have other parents who ask you what you do and you say an actor, writer, and they go, for a living? And it's like, yeah. yes, for how long? My whole career. What? Have That's you, possible? Yeah, you know, they just don't... They're jealous. Well, they're it's like, more Why just didn't like, I it is that? impressive, actually, to them. It's not even they're judging. Yeah. I think it they, is. They, and I have to stand back and go, that is impressive, actually, yeah. that I've been able to make a living. Yeah. And so it shifted for me to get the plan of, like, make a living, a good living, and, mm-hmm. like you said, enjoy your life with yeah. the people you choose to to live with and then also be creative that's like the jackpot that is famous to me right that's success um the rest of it is kind of gravy because it's hard five percent of people in this business actually make a living to support themselves doing it i remember actra putting out that which i thought actra don't do that (laughs) so we don't need to know the numbers are gonna quit we're giving you our money already don't make us feel bad totally but no i get it they are being you know honest about it and so it's it shifts it shifts a lot i think i think it's like i was saying this to my therapist (laughs) brag no um (laughs) but i was like (laughs) you said brag but i thought you said brad and i was like cool (laughs) shout out to you (laughs) Great name, Brad. What's up? Anyways, you're helping a lot. Get it, girl. (laughs) No. um, (laughs) What though? What should I buy, (laughs) Stacy? I'll tell you. Uh, No, but um, sometimes it is so like overwhelming to think that like, and I don't mean this in like a really dark way. Like I want to like end anything, but like that you have to keep going um, because um, you know I finished like second city. I was like, oh man, and I didn't realize like it's. Cushy. I mean, I get to work a couple hours a night. I have a, you know... And creatively, too. You have an idea during the day. You bring it out in the evening. Yeah, and, like, you have your paycheck every Friday, so if you make big mistakes, like saying too many hey girls at H&M and buy too much stuff, you can kind of get the reboot. (laughs) Um, But, um, yeah, it's like, I wanted to be famous. I was like, that's it. But now it's like, I just want to be, like, you know, okay, like, uh, you know, and it's just like, how do you, like, I think that's incredible, like, and that's terrifying to me, because our industry, I have to remind myself, is mostly no. Yeah. 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 It's, you just, no is just the thing, and so sometimes I get really down on the no, but then I realize I have to create the yes, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's like, managing that is tough. Yeah. Ayaka? Plan. Yeah, do you have a plan? Like if you have dreams. a plan, I'm going to be mad. I okay. I think she about everybody is going to have one. <laughs> I'm going to steal it. Write it down, sell it. Okay. I have a dream. Um, okay. I'll if hear. that's called plan, is now that I met so many amazing comedians, improvisers, like actors here, if I can import you guys to Japan one day, that would be amazing. We're in. And I, am in. I did not want to say this. This is going to be like a podcast, like it's recorded. I, did, I don't know if I want to say this. No, no, this is, <laughs> this is like a contract. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I've been brainstorming, like if I can make like an 
improv school in Tokyo and then like pay back to people who taught me improv here and then bring back and pay back to Japanese people who are so uptight but like improv will help their life then that would be amazing my passport's up to date so <laughs> yeah totally. let's go yeah, that's my plan that's that's nice I'm sure I'm yeah. you my similar plan was to open an improv school in Japan, um, <laughs> Tokyo, <laughs> for Dhamma. <laughs> no, the plan is, um, is <laughs> the plan is what the plan always was. It, it is just to work. I, it, it's funny, going to <laughs> the Hamptons. I keep dropping oh, that, that I was in the Hamptons. So the plan lot. could the Hamptons be, yeah. And Brad, the Guys, it's so lovely. Hey, Brad. Um, the plan could be to make a quick $40 million and live out on the ocean. But um, it's not... It was so interesting talking to a lot of people who who aren't in our entertainment industry because we, I know that I personally tend to surround myself by people who are in, in the same industry as myself and talking to people with way more money in, in very different industries, mostly connected to Wall Street. Um, they were so enamored, uh, and like Teresa was saying, so shocked that one could make a living um, being an entertainer, uh, being an artist. And I found myself, after multiple vodka sodas, just continually saying the same sort of earworm of like, well, you know, and you love what you do, it's not work at all. Um, and even though, <laughs> That's I, even though I was plastered, I really did mean it. Uh, I love it. I, I love all these jobs. I love writing. I love performing. I love directing. So as long as I can just, the, the plan is to just keep doing it. Yeah. It really is. I mean, you guys all spin a lot of plates, too. It's not like you're just yeah. doing one thing. Let, we, have to, we have to wrap this up in s oh. shortly, but I want to ask you this. How do you uh, balance those different skills? Because a lot of people are like, well, you're just an actor. No, you guys are producer, writer, mm. podcasters, musicians. You're everything. How do you balance that in your life, and where do you put your energy? Oh, man. That's real. I mean, I don't think I figured it out. I mean, I, I think um, it's really tough, and it's... Like you, I think you have to have a million plates. I don't even plates and spin, spinning yeah. plates in the air. You know the thing. That's what uh, I do. Yep. We spin plates. We spin plates. Yeah. But it's like so and it, many broken plates. Can like I mean it's <laughs> it's kind of like how could you be an actor now just like waiting by the phone? And I don't say that like as a negative, but it's like I don't think you could sustain a life if or creatively. Like creatively, how do you just did the one thing. Yeah. So sometimes I envy it. You know. Um, you know. <laughs> I'm constantly taken back to Sylvia Plath's The Bell Jar. Um, and standing <laughs> wow. in front of the fig tree, I think we all know this famous passage, except for Stacey who says that oh, she's yeah, not going to... A lot of heads nodding. A lot of heads nodding. But I'll she does up. talk about that, and she talks about choosing between those figs, right? And like, oh, do, do I want to be a teacher? No, do I want to be a poet? Do I want to write novels? And you feel like if you choose one, then you can't choose the other. Right. And sometimes there is an envy. Oh, if I was just focusing on acting, maybe how far would I be? Maybe I would be starring in the Mystic Pizza remake. <laughs> Um, the reboot as, a, as a, the new Julia Roberts. But I don't think I would give up the, the creativity that it allows me mm -hmm. to have a hand in different pots. I really, really enjoy it. I, I love diversifying myself as a creative, as an artist. I'm not willing to give it up just yet. Yeah, I like it. I do think you have to, truly. I mean, not just as a comedian nowadays, but as a woman aging in this industry, oh, you yeah. cannot rely on one thing. It, it, it's way no. too difficult. Um, yeah. And I think that the way you do it is you focus on what is driving you in that moment, because I've realized when I am writing a lot and I think, oh, I'm not an actor anymore. I don't do that anymore. And then the phone rings and you're an actor all of a sudden. You got that right. part. What? Because I wasn't focusing on that, right. right? And then it's a joy and then you love it. So the great part is it's stressful sometimes. You never know how to define yourself. But um, you get to still love all of them, which is really cool. You yeah. don't burn out in, in one area, you know, which, which is a gift kind of because 
um, you tend to, right? If you start mm-hmm. to get so down on, on the acting industry and you feel like it's, it's so mm-hmm. jaded and it's so um, misogynist or whatever you want to call it, 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 then you have the writing and then you find your voice there. But um, it's definitely not easy, but I, I the same. I, I don't know. I've always thanked goodness that I that I discovered my voice as a writer because um, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have that other side you know and the more the more you get the more you want then you want to produce then you want executive produce then you want to show run and so it doesn't stop which is exciting but there's you know we need more of the um, hobbies yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, I have a question about, um, because we do wrap it up, and I do uh, often ask people what the advice they would give their younger self. It's sort of a common question. And, uh, you know, it's funny because Matt will ask me, well, what would your advice be? And to be honest, my advice is usually like, I like everything I've done because I'm where I am now. But if there was something that you could tell yourself then that would help you now, what would it be? Your skin is great. Really be good with that. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah, mo- moisturizing is super important. Moisturizing. I also wish Seriously, I had gotten the weed at, stock sooner. Oh, I look yeah. at photos and I'm talking yeah. about body image. Yeah. What? I was judging that? Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. And as a performer, you really do. That is a big one. I know that sounds so vain, but it's just then if that had been aside, I might have not thought about a lot of that and more oh, time yeah. could have gone into yeah. the creative and then also the breathe it's a long road mm-hmm. right the breathe that you don't have to be famous tomorrow it can be a long career and that's a great thing and mm-hmm. it's hard to tell anyone that because every young person who wants advice is like how do i get a tv show tomorrow, tomorrow. right yeah and that's the hard advice but also if that by that same notion in 20 years we'll look back and be like what was i worried about exactly. when i was in my 40s no, i 100%. think that all the time yeah. when i'm bathing suit shopping <laughs> <laughs> skirt, get a skirt. I haven't got bathing suit shopping since 1995. 20 years, I'll be envious of this. Get it, girl. Yes, Just it's true. Girl. I wish you had been my sister. Carly, <laughs> did you have something? Yeah, I, th- I think maybe the only one thing I would say, I, I'm in a similar boat as you were. I'm like, I'm, very, I'm pretty content in terms of how things are shaping up. Um, I think I would tell younger Carly to make herself laugh first as opposed to trying to appease all those many masters. And, and, and a it's, thousand percent. Yeah, you know I mean, good. it's addictive to try and make, every, to try and please everyone else. Yeah. Please yourself first because that's that honesty and that's that truth and that's the thing that in the end is going to make them laugh even harder. Yeah, start with the self. Yeah. Um, Stacy, what did you have some advice for your younger oh, self? Oh, yes. <laughs> so, like, my young Stacy just came out. What? Um, <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean, you're grounded, by the way. I, oh no, my dear teen Stacy. Um, I think I would. Um, I think I would uh, probably tell her, like, yeah, to make yourself laugh for sure, and not to appease. Um, but also um, to like not forget why you're on stage, and it's to like. It's it's for other people. Like, it is for yourself. Like, I think I got pretty lot. You, you get teddy, right? And you're like, oh, my God, my art. When will I do that fart scene perfectly? Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> we had a fart scene in our yeah. show, by the way. Yeah. Oh, Carly hates fart scenes. Like, very oh, no. upset about it. But I was livid. I was like, how are we doing a show with farts? And they were, like, killing themselves. But we were like, minors in a fart yeah. cave. It was hell. But it's like, you know, like... My first time around even at Second City, I left pretty angry and I'm, I, I really have regret about that because I made it so much about myself and less about like I get to perform for 300 people a night and like they have a babysitter and they're going to spend more money than they should and they're having a really nice night. And yeah, there's people that you don't certainly like in the audience, but it's like you get to make someone feel great every night. The best. And it's like forgetting that is like 
is that's when you kind of steer the wrong way, I think. Yeah, yeah, how do you remind yourself? You look at someone actually laughing. Yeah. Like yeah. when you're sitting in a scene and you don't get you don't get 300 laughs, you get 200 and you're like, what's going on in the scene? Who's, you know, so it's like, I try and just go, oh, I made that woman like spill her wine a bit. Right. It's you know, so, that's nice. So often they remind you, so often they come back. I, I do feel, and especially at a place like Second City or anything that sort of involves improv where you're breaking that fourth wall pretty hard, the audience feels this permission to speak to you after the show right. or reach out um, on social media. And, you know, they'll tell you, like, hey, we were celebrating our 40th wedding anniversary mm-hmm. and we couldn't think of a better way. And, oh, I will get a little misty. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's nice. No, it's a gift. You realize totally. it's a gift. And actually, I have to say it to myself sometimes. Because, you know, the nerves come in and then, and then if it doesn't go the right way and you get angry at them. And I remember a director saying to me, it's not them, it's you, right? Yeah. Like any relationship, it's usually your side is also complicated. And so I do that now with shows. It's like, this is a gift. Even going to auditions, I'm like, this is a gift. I get to do this. This is a gift. I get to do this. It's a mantra because the, the dark, bitter side will end you, oh, right? Yeah. It, yeah. It, won't work. Yeah. I remember being in the audience and somebody like crawling around on the floor in the audience after the show had finished and I was like, can I help you? And she was like, I can't find my ticket stub. And she oh. wanted to keep her ticket stub and I was like, thank you so much for coming. Like, I'll never, you know, it takes a lot, there's a lot of things to do in the city and they come and see the show. It's a, it's a privilege. Mm-hmm. Yes, Carly? Oh, what's Ayaka? Yes. Uh, what was it? Your younger self. Oh, younger self. Um, younger self. I will tell. Uh, yeah, no, no, but I'm older than you. Um, yeah. She's I 72. Te- oh, 72. <laughs> has really good skin. Yeah. Uh, um, I will tell them to tell myself to um, talk to people, go like invite them for coffee, have conversation, meet as many people as possible, get yeah. ideas. Um, yeah, meet different people which I kind of did anyway. Um, and then, um, it, uh, yeah, well, I guess you one, got it all figured out, huh? Uh, if you, uh, uh, get it, girl. If you, yes, get yes, it, girl. Uh, this, this is for real. This is for real. Um, what, everything else is going to lie? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> this yeah. is for real. Um, if you have something that you are afraid or scared, just do it. Because yeah. I think I was like being so nervous or like, you know, embarrassed or shy about being laughed at or yeah. like, you know, like embarrassed of everything. Like, yeah. But like, if you're afraid, just do it. Does anything scare you guys anymore? Needle drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Needle, Needle drugs. drugs. Um, that's, I mean, you know, don't, don't, don't say no. <laughs> Stacy. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, yeah, but that's the exciting part of it. Yeah. You know, Carly made me sing in the show, and I was upset, and I threw a tantrum like a child. Gave a gift. And it's like, yeah. Uh, but it's like, yeah, and I'm kind of like, I'm kind of at this point just now where I'm kind of excited by that. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Like, yeah. I get to overcome something or face something. Like, that's great. It is. That is a gift. Teresa, yeah. when's the last time you were scared about something? Oh, Always. Um, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm always nervous performing, and I feel like if I'm not, it's trouble. You know, I feel like I, uh, before going on, uh, Jane Eastwood, who's in my troupe, she's <laughs> like, she gets so angry before. The woman has been performing oh forever. God. She has, she's an icon, right? She, she can she's do still nervous. like this much, and she's hilarious. She no, has, absolutely, oh and gosh. she still gets terrified, yeah. and I feel like that is a healthy thing, because when you don't have the fear, maybe you are kind of like, screw you, I'm great. Sure. You know, yeah, right. um, you know, there are days when I don't feel it and I think, oh, I may be letting go a little bit or, or something. So it always performing still scares me because you yeah. just don't know what's going to happen. Um, but the world actually scares me more than what I do for a living in a weird way. 
that's the good thing about these times is that yeah. people sometimes scare me, that people can be so awful to each other. So then, then you go, oh, hey, get, I get to lighten it. I get to like bring kind of joy. And, yeah. and that part um, seems less scary, weirdly, now in the world. <laughs> I used to do it as a, and, and I have since stopped the practice because in hindsight it wasn't great. But I used to start like on opening nights. I remember when She the People was opening Chicago. I was like, guys, yeah, it's scary. But so many people died today. And we not just a, get to do a, a comedy show. And they're like, oh, that's a bit of a downer talk. to start the show. But it is. <laughs> I have their obituaries right here. Guys. Let me read a couple. Yeah, the really young oh ones. Boy, Anyways, yeah. super Have a great dark. show. But yes. I agree with Reza. I still feel, it doesn't feel, um, it's not like a, ooh, a fear that like seizes me up and I can't go on or anything. But it's, a, it's this beautiful mix of, of fear and adrenaline. And, and you do want it, because if you don't have it, well, then, ooh, you, then you've lost some sort of fire, and, and maybe you don't care as much as you should. So, so I, I still always want to have it, yeah. at least a bit. Mm -hmm. I get it. I got anything to add for that? Uh, I'm taking more classes. Yeah, so yeah. she's taking, she's a musical <laughs> director, but she's taking improv classes so she can understand yeah. the mind of an improviser. Yeah, and I, I just had a class that I had to do archive scenes, and that was my first time acting, other than my uh, Catholic kindergarten nativity <laughs> uh, play. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I acted on stage, and that scared me, but I did it. Uh, I'll tell you all about it later. Yeah, um, yeah, but that scared me, but I did it, and uh, I also ate a piece of banana the other day. I'm, I don't like bananas, but I ate banana. Now I that is brave. I mean, if you that don't like bananas, brave. that's a brave, brave move. What have you done? Uh, do you oh. still find it scary? Um, Anything? I, find, uh, I find public speaking scary. Mm. Like when I'm not a character, when yeah. I'm just, like I had to do a, a speech that was called, I think it's like, that's something like top 10 or something, 10 minutes to say something that you've learnt in your life. Oh, wow. And yeah. oh boy, like not a drop of moisture in my mouth. Just wow. so dry. Not yeah. so dry. Like to the yeah. point that I was like, like I couldn't find <laughs> it in between my teeth. Matt was like, he almost wanted to come up on stage and give me a glass of water. Like I couldn't find it. It was so painful. So that kind of stuff uh, it terrifies and me. And seeing weddings. And people always ask you to do it. Yes. Yeah. And I was going to say, the more personal, the like the, the, the tighter the personal connection with the audience or whoever I'm like performing or, or sort of like giving a creative for it, the more fear there is. Yeah. Because right. I really care if oh I my God. screw it up. But that's just like that we wedding. care so much, right? Yeah. That's what we're doing here. We're just yeah. caring. I have to leave. Yeah. I'm so this sorry. Is, this she is life. We're going to wrap up. I want to say thank you. Stacey, can everybody just um, tell us your handles for people to yes. follow you on, on oh, Twitter? That's so nice. I'm at the Stacy McG MCG. Ooh. Yeah. Teresa. Uh, I think at Teresa Pavlinick. Yeah, I think you I'm can at. Spell my name, then you can find me. <laughs> it's fair. I think I'm at Carly, Carly Heffernan or Carly Dot Heffernan. You are. <laughs> Ayaka. Thank you. Ayaka doesn't have a Twitter account. No. Okay. Well. Okay, give us your home address. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Don't I want to thank all the folks. I want to thank the folks at Grayson Matthews who help um, produce this podcast. Uh, the team of the Firecracker Department, Sebastian, Jen, Sylvia, Lauren, Isabel, Caitlin, uh, Carousel Pictures. I want to thank you all for coming. Please go tell two friends that you think will really dig this and let's keep spreading the Firecracker Department membership. Uh, every The last Sunday of every month we go live on Instagram and we have great chats online about this kind of thing just with everybody. So please join us for all those things and uh, thank you again for coming. I'm Naomi Sneekas, and this is the Firecracker Department. And thank you, Naomi. Thanks, Stacey. Thanks, Teresa. Thanks, Carly. Thanks, Ayaka. Wow.